Steve. Merry, Merry Christmas. Christmas. Merry Merry. It's it's the Christmas podcast. Bunsen, Dolly, Internal, Why do we need? Petri, Oscar, Isaac, Newton, Transplanting. How you doing? How you doing? All right. Are these supposed to be special? These Christmas podcasts, more special than normal ones. Well, historically we've always had some booze, but we're not doing it in in the evening. So I've got I've got a, um, a cup of tea. I'm afraid. No, we were train striked out of meeting up, weren't we? When we were yeah, bloody. Meet up, we were train striked out. It's all Mick Lynch's fault. So if people, they should be angry at Mick, Mick Lynch for I, not. On the contrary, um, I think they should be angry at Rishi Sunak <laughs> and the Conservative government of the past twelve years. <laughs> yeah, well, they can be angry at both, perhaps. Um, mm. But anyway, it was disappointing, and then we were going to get together in an evening, and then it didn't quite happen, did it? For various reasons. No, so we're doing it remotely, which is our first remote Christmas podcast Which ever. is a bit sad. I think we should do it again in person in January. We, we'll do a catch-up Christmas podcast. We should do a catch-up Christmas podcast. Anyway, it's good that you're all here with us. Welcome. Merry Christmas to you all. I hope you're having a lovely, wood-crackling, warm, cosy, chocolatey Christmas. In your socks you, you, and your pyjama bottoms. Your wife's Swedish, isn't she? She is. Isn't she, Nick? So do yes. you guys have you have Christmas on Christmas Eve then? Or do you do it well, on Christmas Well, if we go there, yeah, both? we do. <clears throat> it depends whose family we're with. But what about, what about if you're just on your own? What, me and Maria? Yeah. You know, we haven't actually done it that way, ever. Ah, We've always... Okay. Well, we Been did it somewhere. one year. Oh, no, we didn't even do it that year when we were in America because we went... We had it with Maria's... Um, auntie, and so we did it Christmas Eve. And then Christmas Christ- Eve. Christmas Eve. I'm not sure how then- I feel about the Christmas Eve. I'm, I'm, I mean, I love Christmas. You know, I love Christmas. I'm a bit. I love watching the Peep Show Christmas Special. I love watching the Office Christmas Special. I love listening to the same music. Like I love, um, you know, eating the same food. Oh, you do the, the same, same thing every year. So you watch Merry Chris Mark every year. That kind of thing. Merry Chris Mark, everyone. <laughs> Cauliflower is not traditional. <laughs> anyway, we don't want to get yeah. into a peep show rabbit hole. Otherwise, we'll start doing impressions of Mark ranting at Jeremy when he lied to him about getting the turkey. <laughs> yes. Anyway, yeah. So yeah, I I I don't mind. I'm 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 happy to just go with the flow as long as it, there's the one air. You know, as long as you can have fun at some stage, then do you? Fine by me. Are you a, are you a kind of turkey absolutist or no. are you are you quite okay? I, I don't mind. I'd happily have any... Ro- I think you've got to be a roast dinner. Right. But having said that, in Sweden, they don't really do that either. They have, like, some kind of smorgasbord thing on Christmas Eve. And then on Christmas Day, you might have, like, meat and veg. But then the good thing about that is on Christmas Day, you have snaps with your dinner. So you like literally down vodka. Oh, snaps. Yeah, yeah, okay, right. Snaps, yeah. they call it. Not snaps. Snaps. Mm. They call it snaps? Snaps. Yeah. Huh, interesting. Just the German thing you're thinking of. Scandinavian. Yeah, it's the same thing, right? Fruit water. Vodka. It's, effect- it's just it's not flavoured. Flavoured vodka. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Some herbs in it, wasn't it? But it's vodka. Bottom, bottom line. Anyway, ho, 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 ho. So, Merry Christmas, ho, ho, ho. Steve. Well, we've got, we're going to have a little, I don't know whether, I haven't prepared any Christmassy stuff. Maybe I can put a Christmas spin on it 
I think I've got a good idea how I'm going to I've, put it. I've got, I'm, I'm going to do the same thing. Science with a Christmas spin. <laughs> All right, well, should we crack on? Let's spin away. Just finished a big glass of eggnog. <laughs> Whatever. Did yeah. You know? Was it boozy? It's always boozy. Yeah. Who needs? Um, who needs the... like? Who needs lunch when you got eggnog? Well, we last the last <clears throat> Christmas podcast we had eggnog, and then before then I think we had a snowball around your house. I think I so prefer we'll snowball. Christmas. We need I a Christmas. Uh, what's the next Christmas cocktail? Uh, I, I don't know. I can't name any others off the top of my head. But there are certain drinks you only drink at Christmas, and they're like Bailey's. No one brandy and brandy and baby sham. <laughs> brandy and baby sham. Okay, that we've got that. Is that, that, that a brandy? Actually, brand- I've actually got some glasses, baby sham glasses, in the cupboard, so we can have brandy. Do you know what? That doesn't sham. surprise me. <laughs> brandy, um, cheap brandy, and pear cider. <laughs> so it's not. It's not even baby sham. I think that's what baby sham is. I think baby sham is it's perry. perry. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, man, I have a baby sham. That was the advert. Do you remember? They're in a bar. And someone says, Can no, I have I a baby sham, please? Have a baby sham. And then everyone's like, No, oh, I think I'll have a baby sham. Yeah, damn, I have a baby sham. With all these characters. Wow. No, I don't remember that one. Uh, but to be fair, I was never a big Baby Sham fan. So yeah. well, no, I don't think any of us. Maybe are, it's are time. We? Maybe it's time for a Perry resurgence. It's very trendy, isn't it? There's lots of like trendy ciders and beers. Maybe there'll I be one. I do have a bottle pears. of Lambrini downstairs that someone gave me that they won in a raffle. It's in the kitchen. Lambrini pear as well. I didn't know I that. I believe it is. Uh, uh, it's definitely. I thought not, it was wine. It's not seen a grape. No, not uh, seen a grape. Lambrini hasn't seen. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> yeah, Steve, tell me, God. tell me some science stuff. All right, so. Um, uh, you know, um, so I, I, a couple of things, something came sounded like I put you on the spot there, like you weren't expecting to have to talk about science today. No, no, uh, I've got uh, something. Uh, uh, Carry on. I want to talk to you about artificial intelligence, Nicholas. Oh, God almighty. I'm so over artificial intelligence. Is that just because you're kind of got fatigue for basically <coughs> someone writes AI and grant proposals expecting them to get funded? Um, not necessarily that. Just because it's all over the place. If someone's talked to some robot, and oh, are they real or are they not real? That sort of thing. Oh, the Turing test. Yeah, no, that's very. Um, See, people yeah, even stopped a... calling it Turing test now. They're just having some conversations with some sex robot online, trying to guess whether it's a real person or not. It's proper um, tech bro stuff. It forms. It goes into the realm of the circle of the tech bro. I Do I have an aversion And as someone who is spinning out a company, I've seen this with many investors asking for artificial intelligence. But um, there, there are, so, so I think you're right. Most people talk about artificial intelligence, but they don't really mean that. They mean kind of software, right? That's what you typically mean. So when you download an app that said it's got AI built in something or other, in reality, it just means like it's got some code behind it. Yeah. Anyway. But there are examples. So what I want to talk to you about today is there's there's been in November or kind of late November, early December, um, which is why it's kind of kind of topical. 
um, there's been the release of what's called Chat GPT, which stands for Generative Pre-trained Transformer, which was released by the company OpenAI. Right, have that was heard, just a whole load of words. This? No, that okay. was just jargon. What, right, what are you talking about? about? Right, so there's a company called OpenAI, right, which was founded by lots of people, including um, in Silicon Valley, including my lord and saviour, Elon Musk. Oh. And it was set up as a kind of research laboratory, kind of for profit, um, to set up kind of AI, um, uh, artificial intelligence, like, to try and find where it can be profitable and then try and, um, like, yeah. try and like, turn it into a business. Yeah. So they, they've released what um, th th this product, which is available to anyone. It's completely free online. You just have to sign up, and it's called ChatGTP. Chat and what? Essentially, it's GPT. ChatGPT. It's not very catchy, is it, to say ChatGPT? It's a bit of a tongue no. twister. <laughs> That's true. You can just go to openai.com if you want to Okay, OpenAI, yeah. And it's software, so what happens? You can talk right. to it. So, it's like a, so it looks a little bit like a kind of a chat window. Right. Yeah, yeah, like um, when you're talking one of the to some moron, let's say, at cross-country exactly. trains. My least well, favourite train well, company. It's fantastic you brought that up. So last time, for, for listeners, Nick was moaning about one of the many um, complaint letters he writes. Right? Do you want to hear the outcome? Should we say no. that for Well, the actually, end? I, I do. Save I it do. for the end. Say that for the, the end. For the, for the outro. Yeah, that would be good. <laughs> just just um, in case so you don't know, I just let people... So if you didn't hear the last podcast, I made some... I got annoyed with a train company and a media company, and I have had complaints in with the ombudsman. So I will announce what the results of those complaints are later on. Meanwhile, over to Steve and his AI. <coughs> right. So th this was released this this program, JatTP, and it's it's been it's it's actually very impressive, right? So for example, the New York Times said it's the best artificial intelligence chatbot ever released to the general public. Right. Um, Guardian <coughs> noted it was ability to kind of impressively detailed and human-like text, right? So you can just ask it kind of conversational questions, right? So it's I can actually, say, what's you know, your favorite Rush album and why? Nick, you can get way more sophisticated than that, and I will do that in a second, right? Okay, great. Um, but what, what really, and actually, in fact, there was an, there was an article in Nature um, talking about, uh, which was from the 9th of December this year, talk, and the title of it is AI bot ChatGP writes smart essays should professors worry? Because it's so good now, um, and, I'll, and I'll give you some examples of this in a second. Can, I, actually, just say, can I just say that you don't have to be good to write an essay of, a student quality based on no, me doing but the point marking. Is it, it raises it's so good it will raise the bar of the average essay right so i will give you an example right so i wrote to it i said this was my input to jack i said i said this is all i said right. write a complaint letter to nicholas evans a professor of biology at the university of southampton about the fact he wastes too much time writing complaint letters that was right, my okay. input okay this right. is what it generated straight away dear professor Evans. Dear Professor Evans, I'm writing to express my concern about the amount of time you, you seem, to be, uh, uh, seem to be spending on writing complaint letters. As a professor of biology at the University of Southampton, I'm sure you have many important responsibilities and obligations to fulfill. However, it seems that a significant portion of your time is being devoted to drafting and sending complaints about various issues. As someone who is passionate about the field of biology, I'm sure you would agree that your time is valuable and a limited resource. It's important to use our time wisely and focus on things that truly matter. I believe that spending so much time on writing complaint letters is a waste of your valuable skills and expertise, and it detracts from other important work you do as a professor and a researcher. I understand that you may have very strong feelings about these issues and that you are complaining about. However, I would encourage you to consider alternative ways to express your concerns and to channel your energy into passion that is more productive and better pursuits. I hope you will take these comments into consideration and consider reflecting your efforts towards more constructive endeavours. Yours sincerely, ChatGDP. 
I can tell you that I'm not impressed. And the reason I'm not impressed is because it said the same thing about four times. It said the same thing in a different way four times, apart from acknowledging once, like a professor kind of thing. So I think you could port that response into anything and put in, you know, whatever it is that you're... You can click it again and it will regenerate a different letter, right? Yeah, I know, but so it's the same, could... it says the same thing in different ways, though. It's just got multiple ways. But do you know I'm why? That's because about... because that's exactly how people write letters. So what that tells you is not that you're complaining about they wrote a bad letter. It's you're complaining that people write bad letters. I, all it's I doing is crowdsourcing that information. I wouldn't write a letter like that because it lacked concision, Steve. Well, that tells you most people don't write letters like you do, Nick. Right. But anyway, like, and, like, and hey, then look, right. So, so I go, I go, I go, on, I go on further. Right. I said write a song in the style of the band Rush about Nicholas Evans, a professor of biology at the University of Southampton who likes brown <laughs> beer, maps, and complaining. Right. <laughs> you want to hear the song? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it's actually a, right. It's actually music. If there's no music. There's you. You know, it's, it's just the lyrics. Yeah. Just the lyrics. You're you going to play the lyrics. It. Yeah. Um, right, uh, right. So, verse one. Nick Evans. He's a man of science, a professor of biology with a passion for compliance. He's a master of the cell and the gene, but there's more to him than just research, it seems. <laughs> and then the chorus goes, Nick Evans, he's a complex guy with a love of brown beer, maps, and a good old-fashioned wine. He's a scholar and a teacher and a man that never sleeps. Nick Evans, a man with many sides to keep. <laughs> I mean, it's got all of the principal things that you mentioned there, and it's even got a ring of Tom Sawyer about it. You exactly. Know, it, has like, it has a little bit of that, a little smidgen. Here you go. I'll go more. Verse two. He's a lover of maps with a thirst for adventure. He's always exploring and a thirst for knowledge to capture. From the streets of Southampton to the depths of the sea, Nick Evans is a man who's always on the go. You'll see... Back to chorus. Nick Evans, he's a complex guy with a love for brown beer, maps, and a good old-fashioned wine. He's a scholar and a teacher and a mind that never sleeps. Nick Evans, he's a man with many sides to keep. Oh, my God. <laughs> then there's a bridge. Yeah, how does that go? Is it just an instrumental? The, no, the, it doesn't say that. It says, it says <laughs> but the, the bridge is, but don't let this complaining fool you. Nick Evans is a man who's true blue. He's a scientist at heart with a passion for the unknown. Nick Evans, he's a man who's always on the go. And then it just wow. finishes with the chorus, isn't it? Good, good God! I mean, that is impressive. That I am impressed by that <laughs> round of applause. So you can That's also amazing. do stuff. Right? I'd like to. I'd like to know whether it could write the music as well, like do the drumming, like Neil Peart, and get what? the bass right, like bit of Getty. What do you want? Do you want to do it? Well, I've got. I'm going to bring it up real time here, um, what? so we can ask it a question. Here you go. What do you want to ask it, Nick? Anything at all. Anything you ask, you can. Yeah. Oh, I don't know, Steve. Okay. Um, let's what, tell what, let's what, write an abstract. Is, abstract. What, I've got one. No, no, no. I've got one. No, let me. You've asked me. I'm going to. Say, I'm going to okay. give you a question. So, what? What is your favourite Rush album and why? There you go. It's not. We're experiencing exceptionally high demand. Please hang tight. <laughs> it's broken. It's broken, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> Steve's website's broken. There you go. See, What's as an that? artist, it doesn't have personal preferences or feelings. However, I can tell you that Rush is a Canadian rock band. But why don't we tell it to, like, what, you basically can't tell you me what it it's to, to be a human. Well, that's not very AI, that it can't tell me. You're, th you're thinking about it in the wrong way. Like, you it's can just ask listing it its Wikipedia. It's, it's like doing a Wikipedia page. That's just like yeah, Wikipedia. Sure, yeah, I know. So I'm just... Because your input so question Steve's, was poor. Steve's just... 
question was poor. Shut up. So Steve's just asked it, what is your favourite Rush question and why? And it's just said... So Steve's put the page up on the site and it's just started responding textually. And it says, as an AI, I don't have personal preference for Venus, so I don't have a favourite... And then it just goes on and lists some facts about Rush. But, like, okay... Nick, why can't me, I ask um, if it's AI? Why can't I ask it what its favorite Rush album is? Because it's not a person. It's not like yeah, it's an individual. It should be an it, artificially intelligent being. Yeah. Okay. So why well, don't it you should ask have it a favorite the, Rush okay. album? But let's ask to be creative then. Let, it should let's say I've not heard create... Rush. It could have said I've not heard them actually. <laughs> Something like that. That would have been more convincing. You could have lied to me. So hold on. So hold on. So your your input to the, to a good AI is basically saying, "Now nah, I never heard of it, mate." That's basically. <laughs> well, that would have been a be, that would have that would have been a more satisfactory answer than saying it doesn't have preferences. What we could do though is we could ask it to. Why don't we say to 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 um, create an album title of a of a fictitious of, of a fictitious album from Go on Rush? In. Go on in. Go yeah. on. Go for it. Go for it. Right, I'm just waiting there. So Steve is typing at the page. There's quite a bit of a lag, so I can't see what he's writing yet. So he's going to ask the AI to create an album title from the band Rush. About a story... So create an album title from the band Rush about a story of the man. The man... Oh, oh man. no. He's of a called man Nick. called Nick. Who has a cat. That's enough. Has a cat. That'll do. Called Frank. Frank. And lives in Southampton. So you're giving it so much information, it's almost like you just. Well, that's exactly already, what. That... <laughs> but you've already you've already like told it what the answer is almost. It's thinking. It's thinking. Okay. Nick and Frank Southampton Adventure. <laughs> Southampton Adventure. I mean, it's it's pithy. I wouldn't call it creative. <laughs> no, I agree. <laughs> Um, but so one of the things you can do is that's you, the you, best AI in the world, is it? <laughs> okay. Is that what Elon Musk's given us? You know. <laughs> what? Okay. So what Steve's would? Looking, uh, but honestly, Steve loves right, Elon so Musk. Right. He's looking really uncomfortable when I asked him about Elon Musk. I think you know the thing you have to remember now. You can do it. You can if you. What's impressive is you can like put into something like I got it to write the abstract of one of my students. Um, uh, research articles and it was pretty good okay so if you give it enough information you sort of like blurt it down it will re-sculpt it into something that's going to be useful for you basically so for well, I've, got essay, to write, I've got to write me a grant and uh, it does a pretty good job of there writing are a grant. examples of people who submitted papers using AI and got them published I've seen yeah. that on I've seen that tweeted and people have just made up stuff as well. You, you can also do things like you can put in, you can say, what is the code in Python to open up an image, resize it, and output it as this, and it will just write the code for you. That's pretty handy. Yeah. So, I mean, um, you know, I'm being deliberately facetious, but I'm sure it's, uh, it's very good indeed, and it can be very helpful. So are you going to use this more in your everyday life, Steve? Well, I was saying, I think it's interesting because it does, it raises the bar, right? So if you wanted to, like, write a resignation letter, there's absolutely no reason to to actually write it from scratch now none right it will just write it you know for you um if you wanted to like write a you know and, and your letters of complaint for instance right you know like you know you can get it to be more specific you, know, you can get it to write you can write something really precise you can say in the short write a concise letter of complaint but if, if that first example is an example of concision i think i'll do my own no no it's just a letter of complaint 
But the point is, you could write. You could say you could write a concise one. And it I like doing it one. though, Steve. I, that would take the enjoyment away from it for me. I like writing a decent letter of complaint. It brings me I know satisfaction. You do. I know, and it annoys me that you waste your energy on something well, that make, doesn't make any end. difference. Wait till the end. Wait till the end. I guarantee it's wasted time. You, you, val- you value has. your time so little. Well, you, you know, in fact, the value, you know, you sound like, you know, it's the cost of everything and the value of nothing. You know, there's a value disagree. in lots of things. 100% I got, disagree. I like, I like socking it to the man. You know, especially when but they... Did, did you? Did you have you have you brought Southwest Trains to its knees with one not complaint yet, letter no. for a hundred quid? No, not yet, not yet, not yet. Okay, but wait, it's just a matter of time. It's anyway, I would encourage people to reach out and have a play with it. So um, I don't AI. think our, our real time <laughs> real time demonstration did it justice. It is incredible. You can ask it to like I got you know you can get it to write a poem in the style of Hemingway, you know that kind of thing. Um, you know uh, about something silly. Um, you, the more inputs and the more detailed inputs you give it, the, the better it becomes. And I'll show you an example of there's an there's one that generates pictures too, right? So you're like this. I'm gonna. So my lab, uh, I, I my labs, I they um we just had our Christmas dinner um at our lab, and they instead of giving me a Christmas card, they gave me a Christmas cube, which I'm just gonna get down for you, right? And on it Christmas, there is a picture. Christmas what? Cube. Look, I'll show you. Christmas cube. How can you have a Christmas cube? It's like a card, but it's a cube, right? Oh, wow, and look at it, that. And on it, there's a picture, right? So here's an AI-generated picture. Hold on, let me find it. Of a man with a beard, wearing a Santa hat, looking down a microscope with a French with a bulldog do- in it. Oh, they've got your doggy in it. <laughs> oh, Steve, they love you in the Isn't lab. That that's really nice. Yeah, yeah, that's beautiful. It's very kind of them. And look, oh, look they've, even taken, they've even taken the mickey out of me, Nick, because they've taken pictures of themselves and put it, and they photoshopped it into the background of where I have all of my Zoom calls with them. See that? Because <laughs> they like laughing at me. There you go, more that is lovely. I didn't get a card for yeah. my lab. That says it all, doesn't it? Well, Never mind. maybe. maybe if you spend, all, if you spend some time with your lab rather than writing complaint letters, maybe they'd like you more. <laughs> When can viruses be helpful, Steve? Oh, that's a good question. Um, well, I suppose um, when can viruses be helpful? Isn't uh, aren't you less likely? I don't know. If you okay. have one infection, are you less likely to get another bacterial infection or something like that? That would be my guess. Part of our being, part of our very fabric of our existence, is virus. Some of us is virus. Because you mean you it's got that. into our DNA over 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 evolution <coughs> time scale. That's what I'm going to tell you about. And I was trying to make Ooh. it Christmassy by thinking, well, did Jesus have a placenta? Did he have a placenta? Jesus. Um, he must have had one because no. he was born. That's true. Do you know that? Do you know the placenta? Do you know what DNA the placenta has? Is whether it's the mother or the child? It's quite an interesting question. Placenta is the child's DNA. Yeah. So it really is a it is a parasite, like a face hugger. Like a little docks, bit, yeah. docks into the <laughs> woman. Bit. Yeah. Anyway, I want to tell you this story about. Um, <clears throat> well, these are these are kind of um, types of uh, things called endogenous retroviruses, and you may have heard of viruses. Some of them are made of DNA, and some of them are made of RNA, right? And RNA is kind of like in our cells, it's an intermediate between your DNA which has your code and your proteins. It's like a little message. But anyway, some viruses are RNA. That's by the by. Some viruses are retroviruses. Do you know what a retrovirus is? 
Um, I don't, but if I had to guess, I think, is it something whereby you've taken a previous virus and you've monkeyed around with it a little bit to make it, to use it for something for the which it wasn't designed for? Or no, no, creative? not quite. A retrovirus, an example of a retrovirus is HIV. And retroviruses can embed themselves into your genome. So they can implant themselves literally chemically. Rather than just going in your cells, co-opting a bunch of machinery and churning out protein. That's what a virus normally does. It gets inside yeah. your cells, like COVID, for example. Takes over your cell, makes it make things that it wants to make, and hey presto, spreads around. A retrovirus actually integrates into your DNA. So it's almost like a integrates, it sort of sits in there. Right, so that's what things like, um, and, and that can be bad because some viruses can cause tumours and things like that if they get in the wrong place and actually use them in and, the lab. And so why, why would a virus want to do that? So rather than, because it wants to, it just, so it, it thinks if it snuck into your DNA, it will replicate its own genetic material yeah, I I don't, without I don't you know, realising. Yeah, I think it's a bit more latent. You'd have to get um, a virologist to go into the real depths of this. But yeah, it can. I think it can hide away in your DNA and it can stay there for quite a long period of time because it's actually considered as part of your genome. Anyway, right, some retroviruses, they go into your genome and then they just stay there for good, right? And actually our genome, so all of the DNA in your body, something I don't know how many base, billions, about six billion base pairs, something like that. About 8% of it, so that's, you know, hundreds of millions of base pairs is actually derived from these what are called endogenous retroviruses these things which have just accumulated in our genomes over the years when viruses have implanted themselves in our genomes okay Isn't but that, like, th those, th that can't be um so when, when when retroviruses implant in the genome then they can't um get in the way of stuff that's kind of critical to function otherwise they would be selected out right so they they're just would, kind of yeah. sneaking in they sneak in like so in between to, genes kind of and thing. it has to be in the germline of course as well so they, if yeah. they get in the germline then they persist so if you're just getting them in your adult tissues they're just going to die with you but if you if they're getting in your sperm or your eggs then they persist and that's what's happened over long periods of time millions of years of clever history. clever girl pretty mental anyway some of them right and i didn't know this before i started reading around this i've been there you know for millions of years but they're actually they have useful functions so some of these viruses they get into your body they start by doing one thing and then they have an, an advantage which is of selective advantage for the organism that they are in right right which is pretty crazy so 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 it's a win-win it's like symbiosis almost yeah but the virus is kind of you, you can debate whether the virus is still a virus at that point it's just a co-opted it's part of your, your genome but yeah you could if you if it if it if it self-identifies as a virus still, then yeah, yeah, it's wicked for the virus. <laughs> yeah, I suppose so, yeah. Anyway, a, a, an example of one of these is um, syncytins, right? So they, these are viral proteins, um, and they're usually used to stick to the outside of a cell and help the, the virus get taken up by the cell, get merged into it. Right. Anyway, over the years... At some point in evolution, and actually several times, this is the weird thing as well, not just once, but multiple times, they've actually become embedded in the genome to help cells stick together. So in the placenta, you've got this um, thing called the trope. So when you're developing in the womb, part of the embryo, and you mentioned correctly, it's from the baby. Mm. Some of your cells form the, what are called the extra embryonic tissues, and part of that is the placenta. The placenta's got a long row of cells in it which invade 
into the maternal, into the endometrium, you know, the womb line. Mm. They invade and they form this thing in people called a syncytiotrophoblast, which is a syncytium. Have you heard of the term syncytium? No, before? what does this mean? These are all new <clears> terms. A syncytium is a giant uh, cell, if you like. The cells stick together and they merge to form this huge cell. It can be centimetres in diameter and it has loads of nuclei. And in the uh, placenta, it forms the barrier between the maternal blood and the fetal blood. So it's directly right. responsible for transporting things across. It's a huge layer, right? Anyway, the protein which allows this to happen is ultimately a viral protein. Um, these things called syncytins. So they've evolved from viruses. And in humans, the ancestors... But, but no, 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 no. But come on, there must have been a way for that to happen prior to the viral infection of a retrovirus otherwise we wouldn't have evolved well it's thought that this was part of the evolutionary process oh that's cool so, you're so, it's so, so old that so, actually, so the virus right. so old. well actually this is, it becomes more interesting because the two humans have syncytins but they only evolved about 40 million years ago which you can work out by doing the sort of dna archaeology you know there's a set process you can set the time However, when they looked, mice obviously diverged from humans a long time before that. All right, so that would imply that humans just had placentas. We know that mouse, mice have placentas as well, for example. When they looked in mice, they found two similar genes, which are called, also called syncytins, but A and B rather than one and two, and they evolved something like 150 million years ago, completely differently. So it's an example so it's, of convergent, so it's convergent evolution. evolution. Yeah, like the eye. Yeah. So they are. So it's, such, a it's such virus. an optimal solution to have a placenta that we've we've evolved it twice. Yeah, under the in the right oh, sort of circumstances. That's really cool. Incredible. That's really right? cool. It's thought that there were. This has been going on much longer, and actually, what's happened is probably humans had a previous gene which was doing a similar job, mm. but the new virus so just kind better. of it improved on it. Yeah. So that you've already got that kind of fertile ground to allow for these improvements, these little steps forward. And it, this mm. blew my mind. Right. So. Essentially, what we're saying is that viruses are kind of genetically engineering us as humans. We're being genetically engineered all the time by things that are trying to kill us. To make, to make us better hosts. To make us better. To... Yeah, yeah. And that leads mm. to this sort of... So this kind of really... Impre anyway, the reason that I started finding out about this was because it's 2022. It's the end of the year. I had a look at all of these science stories of the year, right? Yeah. So I'm going to go off on a bit of a tangent and then come back to the story again, right? Like the, Have you like looked the professional <coughs> orator you are. Yeah, yeah. So you look on these different websites. So science, you find some of the same things. So there's fusion, you know, for instance. Yeah. You know, the discovery oh, yeah, of fusion this year. I want to talk to you about that, year. yeah. Oh, great. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, there's a new particle. A special one on that. A new quantum particle, something about the W boson, which doesn't agree right. with the existing quantum theory. Standard model. All kinds of things, tetra, uh, what they call tetraneutrons, so four neutrons. Anyway, there's loads of them, and if you look at different websites, you find different ones. So, for instance, if you go to the Big Think, which is another science website, they've got some of the same things, and they chuck in things like the rings of Saturn. You know, you go into another one, for instance, New Scientist, you find nuclear power, stuff on nuclear power, again, fusion, right. uh, COVID, vaccination, space exploration, you know, all these things. Anyway, one of the ones in New Scientist was about uh, about this, and it just got me reading. Anyway, the, the actual discovery this year, people have known about syncytins for a number of years since like two thousand or something, but the discovery this year is not only 
are they playing a role? That, well, basically, this is not about syncytins, but a similar protein. So this is a viral envelope protein. They, again, another protein that's found in the human genome. So effectively, mm. it's a protein that we're making as part of our recipe in our genes. Yeah. But ultimately, they know it's from a virus. It's actually from a viral envelope protein. And what they found is that this particular protein, because it competes for a particular receptor on a cell that other viruses use, so it's you know it's ancestral as a virus, it's got common for binding mm -hmm. this receptor, it makes something which binds to that receptor and stops other viruses infecting cells because, in the placenta. Well, because it's, be it's better for the virus if it can only be infected by that <coughs> particular virus and not others. Basically, the virus that we have as one of our proteins now, so like the kind of vestigial yeah. virus, is yeah. producing a protein which is related to an envelope protein, which yeah. then competitively binds to the thing a normal virus would use to try and kill us. But, but I'm asking, I'm asking why would why would there be that selection pressure for that? You're, and you're saying it, it because it reduces the possibility of, of other infections from, from, from uh, yeah. It's almost like an immune function. So it's yeah. like it's part of our own immune response against, and actually a lot of these proteins, uh, you know, there's lots of different types in these endo, end, you know, um, uh, what do they call endogenous retroviruses. A lot of them you find in your immune system. So a lot of these things that our viruses are using, we then take the information that the virus is presenting to us and store it in our arsenal to work and fight against other bacteria. It's almost like okay. it's almost like a country like getting bombed with missiles, kind of reverse engineering the technology like, to be able to these, fight these back. These missiles are brilliant. We better change anyway, them. Anyway, yeah, no, it's insane because I, it's just made me think, you know, what we are composed of, our beings, we are like kind of like... A hodgepodge we like kind of mongrels with lots of different things which are taken in from from viruses anyway that well, blew my mind I think, really, I think that's amazing like you know i think the, <coughs> the, the, I, I remember thinking something very similar when i first read the the selfish gene by, by richard dawkins i mean that he kind of you know creates this idea that you know we are just kind of you know vessels for our dna to multiply right you know and then through the kind of they don't care about whether you have, you're a good person or whether you're happy or whatever other than it makes you you know you know increases your probability of passing on your genetic material to the next yeah. generation and you're not that important and now i suppose that's just a refinement of that right in fact we, we're so unimportant that we're actually we're being actively manipulated by you know viral right by retroviruses it doesn't make yeah. you feel very and special at Christmas, Nick, no, does no, it? <laughs> anyway, exactly. Yeah, who cares? Nick, Steve. I want to talk to you about statistics. It's Christmas, There's lies, the... damn lies, and statistics. Do you know who said yeah. that? Um, do you know what? I don't know who said that. Who did? Can you? While well, I can see you googling it, why don't I'm you tell me? I'm googling it because well, someone told me the other day that it was um, yeah. Churchill. So I went, God, I he says that. everything. Winston Churchill, he says everything. So I googled it, and it was actually Mark Twain. But Mark it's Twain. thought that Benjamin Disraeli said it originally. Okay. Mark Twain. Mark Twain's the famous popularizer of it. So, I, what's kind of I've been thinking about this, and actually, I think what's what's interesting about so statistics is, we, we, 
you know when you get these kind of quite strange statistical problems that come up quite often sometimes at christmas you might get kind of like puzzles and things a good, a good famous example is the kind of monty hall problem that people have probably heard before and they're no, always quite counterintuitive the what? Oh, the so, what? okay so so the monty hall problem the idea there is you have three doors and behind mm. one of them is a goat and oh, you're asked right, to pick yeah. pick one of door one two or three yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then, so, so let's say you pick door number one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then what I do is I open door number one and I say, there's no goat behind that. Yeah, Would yeah. you like to change your mind? Yeah, yeah. But so between door two or door three. And yeah. statistically, when you go through that process, actually, it's in your favor to change, to, to, to say yes to would you like to change your mind? Yeah, this all sounds weird... logical to begin with, right? Because... Well, no, because the point is, is you picked a one in three at the beginning. Here's the argument against it to say, like, why would no? I, so, I, so I said it's door one, door two or door three. And if you pick one and you've shown it's not one, why would the statistics change at that point? Because it's one right? in because two. Then, isn't it? One it in three. Be, it must be one in two for the other two doors, right? No, but at the start, it was one in three. Yeah, but you've opened one and there's no goat there. So it must be behind one of the other two. So now it's but the option one is, two. But, but when you when you but when you made when you made the choice right. at the beginning, the argument was that it was one in three. Right, and it's still right. like, and and to suggest that it's now one in two, like no, because you, you don't know if it's two or three, so you might have the right answer or you might have the wrong answer. Oh right, so the, the door hasn't is, been yeah. opened. The door hasn't been. No, opened. no, 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 no. So, oh so, right, so, so, so you pick pick door three, and then they say, "Do you want to change your so, mind?" Exactly. Yeah, so the door hasn't still been one, opened. Still one in three, isn't it? No, doesn't it's make not. a difference. Doesn't make any no. difference. <laughs> it does. I make mean, a this is. I mean, if I'm not even getting this, I'm not going to get much further in this conversation, am I? <laughs> okay. Well, people guys, anyone at home, not... do you understand what Steve's talking about? <laughs> no, we don't fucking don't. No idea, mate. <laughs> Sorry. No idea. Um, okay. So, well, for example, you know, um, you know, like you know, the pro- there's there's kind of statistical. I actually haven't got them to, to, to hand now, but you know, the, the probability of meeting someone with your b- same birthday as you. You know, it's yeah. actually it's not it's not as rare as you think it is when you when you work through statistics. Anyway, my point was is that we're quite poorly evolved as humans to really understand statistical methods and tools, right? It's, it's, you know, case in point that you that, that that you've not heard of the Monty Hall problem. I don't problem think we've got to, to the bottom of that. It. To be honest, I don't feel like we've got yeah. to the bottom of that. Well, the, the difference is, is you learn. So, so okay, <laughs> I wasn't going to plan to talk about. Okay, the we'll Hall come back to that later. Okay. We'll come back to it later on. Okay. Um, <laughs> now. But I was thinking, okay, so what's the, what's a really what's a really so what I was just trying to say is there is I think humans that our brains aren't built to handle statistics well. We're not good at it, right? Right. And I was like, is there evidence in the literature for this, right? So here's an example for me of how I want to prove to you how bad we are at statistics, right? So something that happens the whole time. I'm sure you do this in science. So Nick, when you're doing an experiment and you want to know if it's significant, how do you how do you test that? that? So, so if someone does an experiment and they come in and said yeah this drug kills mice what, what would you ask them to do to well, get to, to validate it, whether that's do it a few more times and show me the dots on the page and then i'll decide and then after i've done that then i'll do a statistical test <laughs> right but you, what you've done there is actually relatively complicated right so you took the average what you're going to do say is do the experiment a bunch of times and take the, the arithmetic mean right take the average yeah, yeah i mean you just like, so you'd look, look at you'd say okay well that just draw dots to show how big it is and draw some other dots to show how big it is when you've added the drug and then so just in, look at the dots perfect right in yeah. science when was the first documented case of someone using the mean taking the arithmetic averaging a number to actually find if something if something is if a finding is relevant have Did a then, guess when that was um like probably like 
I, I probably the probably I'm gonna guess right because it's not gonna be the Greeks right so not the Greeks probably not the Romans probably like the Arabs somewhere in the Middle East in like ten a thousand AD seventeen fifty four. Well, didn't Galileo do anything with... No, 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 that's, that's very good, very good knowledge. So, no, so, so um, Galileo performs uh, some arithmetic, uh, some, some arithmetic uh, calculation, but they didn't tell you what it was. So you're right. absolutely right. Um, so Teho Bahi and there's some other examples, Kepler, Galileo gives the first systematic treatment of random errors, but, but that was in 1632. But actually the first time of saying, just take the average... Right was was in seven was seventeen fifty roughly right because when you think about it it's fifty years after we discovered calculus right so You're this right. was actually found by the the astronomical community right there's a paper published <coughs> it um it uh, called uh, on the um uh, on the statistics of astronomical findings right um and um and so there was a famous paper by the mathematician Thomas Simpson who wrote to the Earl of Macclesfield um to put weight behind what he called a kind of this controversial technique of taking the average, right? And he said, it is well known to your lordship that the method practised by astronomers in order to diminish the errors arising from the imperfections of the instruments and of the organs of sense by taking the mean of several observations has not been so generally received. But that some persons of considerable note have been of the opinion that even and even publicly maintained that one single observation taken with due care was as much to be relied on as the mean of a great number. Right, so, okay. so that's 1755, right? So, so in 1755, your, your, you know, your academic precursor, their science, their, 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 their um, student would have come to them with a mouse that one mouse that died when you added the drug. And if he said, if you really did that carefully, you won't have to do an experiment again. So we were well, still I mean, debating. There's the famous uh, quote from um, that I'm sure I've said before from. Um, Rutherford and he said if 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 you need statistics then you need a better experiment that's what he said yeah I mean but equally the standard model of particle physics was proved with statistics right you know like so 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 I well think, I think it's it, yeah I, well I'm not I'm not agreeing with Rutherford really but I think that um <laughs> although I agree with him on a great many other things but um he uh the um why do I say that with such deference who cares he's dead anyway um yeah so the the um <clears throat> yeah, if you if you've got imperfections in the way you measure something, then it becomes important, don't you? Or yeah, even if you if you've got populations which vary, that that's when it becomes important. So yeah, um, I think the idea is, is that there's going to be some error. Yeah. So sometimes errors cancel, right? So sometimes you'll measure it a little bit too high, sometimes you're a bit too low, and if it's a true systematic error, those things will cancel. So measuring the same thing multiple times actually gives rise to a, a better understanding rather than a poorer understanding because yeah, those yeah, errors are so. actually average yeah, out. Definitely. There's lots of analogies but, you can use as well, I guess, isn't there? Like if you're trying to try and find out whether oak trees are bigger than beech trees or something, but your yeah. glass your glasses are really, really blurry or something like that. Yeah. Then you'll improve the more measurements you you take, perhaps. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, but but all I'm saying is that like you know even something as statistically kind of we think that take us such for granted, you know, the idea of just taking the average and looking even at the spread of that data actually wasn't really agreed on in the scientific literature till 50 years after calculus wow i mean so that's, it, that's news to me but i mean yeah that is news to me because i thought there were experimentalists around a long time before that and i would have thought any experimentalist would have had to repeat experiments multiple times in order to show they perhaps but it was, wasn't recorded in the <coughs> literature so like no. i say there were examples of galileo as well as others that have that, that kepler as well in 1600 
um, but he had no agreed upon method for combining measurements. So there's a really good review paper written by a guy called Simon Raper, um, or Rapper, I'm not sure Ooh, how to pronounce his an name. Unfortunate surname. Yeah, indeed. Um, but he's part. It's published in the Royal Statistical Society's journal um, from a yeah. few years ago. It's called the Shock of the Mean. Um, but actually, it's. Um, I mean, we're scraping um, the barrel with that. Only that's not going to be Christmas <laughs> reading. I'm not going to put that at the top of my list. <laughs> <laughs> I also, I also quite like how um, this this mathematician Thomas Simpson wrote to the Earl of Macclesfield. Like that was an important person, I suppose. There must have been. <laughs> I will kind of want to know why Macclesfield was such a kind of epicenter of uh, statistical knowledge back in 1750. Who knows? Who knows? The hype, the hype of stem cells. The hype. <clears throat> I it's had it. a lot of promise, hasn't it? It's, everyone's always said, "Oh, well, um, you know, they're expecting us to inject stem cells into our brain to regenerate after after disease and things like that." I've always been a bit skeptical. Well, there's one. There's, there was something in the news the other day, and it was like headline news on the Beeb. On the Beeb. Before I go any further, I just want to say it's absolutely fair enough, and this is it's fine. What what was done. And I agree, and it's great potential, and all the rest of it. I think the people who are doing it are wonderful. But there's a division between science and speculation, right? And like potential, isn't there? I, I agree, and you, you are particularly sensitive to this more so than most people. I think is that you kind of hate I, it's that kind of showing off, isn't it? That's what you don't like is that the people kind of overpromise. I think a little bit, and I think there's. I want to debate this, right? We can have a little yeah. chat about it. But yeah, anyway, yeah. there was a story, and it's about a, a little boy, and he's called Finley, and he had a congenital heart condition where two of the main blood vessels, the vena cava and the aorta, were switched, I believe. Or, um, oh no, I think, no, the pulmonary artery and the aorta were switched. So there's right. two major arteries that come out of the heart, and they were swapped around. Which is a big problem. So kids who have this issue, they're gonna they're gonna be really ill. Anyway, they did some surgery. They swapped them around, but then the baby was still ill, and nothing else was working. So the surgeon. Who's okay, so, so no, normally you would treat this with surgery. Um, he was treated on. with surgery, yeah. and I think it's the okay. follow up. So he had to um, have some therapy that wasn't really working very well. It has to be said. So mm -hmm. Finley was in danger of getting really ill. His doctor, who's a guy called Professor Massimo Caputo, he's at Bristol, he did an experimental treatment where they injected, and it just says in the BBC article, uh, stem cells into the heart. Okay? Swack so they, in. they, Well, that's what I could work out. They injected them. This is what I was trying to work out when I was reading the article. Right. There's no linked article to the story or anything. It's just a news story, press release. It's been press released by British Heart Foundation, I believe and also Bristol University. So you don't really know what happened, but they injected some cells into the boy's heart. And anyway, he survived. He did really well. And, you know, there's various quotes with it being, you know, he wouldn't have survived had it not been for this intervention. Okay? Right. Now, to me, it's fine. I mean, this has got potential for the future, and it should be encouraged and all the rest of it. don't know how it's working. It's not science. 
and it's not proof there's no control group you know you can't do a control group in this sort of experiment but you can never directly ascribe the recovery of the patient to the injection of the cells into so, the so, so basically it's it's just like in monty python and the holy grail is they turn me into a newt and i got better like that's basically what's happened here well, the, um, the, the patient says, we can't thank Massimo enough. I believe it wasn't for the stem cell treatment, then Finley wouldn't be here with us today. So that's Finley's parents, right? So fair mm, enough. That's what. That's fair what enough, yeah, yeah. Anyway, I had a quick look back because I tried to find it. I thought, well, has this been. It is it has, published? It is published, and it's published. Um, let me just find where the article is. It was published. Um, uh, it was published quite recently, last year. So I'm just going to get the article up now because I've just pulled up an older okay. one. Um, but essentially it's a case report and it mm -hmm. was in a journal called Jack Case Report. I don't know what that stands for. I'll look at it. It's probably some a cardiology journal, basically. Um, journal of American Cardiology, I reckon. Yeah, J-A-C-C -C Case Reports. It doesn't actually tell us what the abbreviations for even at the journal website. But anyway... It describes this case, and I've worked out that this was the case because it's exactly the same. So mm -hmm. <clears throat> it was a. It says a 3.7 male neonate underwent an arterial switch operation for transposition of the great arteries on day four of life. And uh, the article is called "Allogeneic Mesenchymal Stromal Injection to Alleviate Ischemic Heart Failure Following Arterial Switch Operation." Okay, so that describes what I'd read in the BBC website. And uh, Massimo is the last author, Filippo Repetto is first author. Anyway, it describes what they did. Ese effectively, what they did was they took these allogeneic genetic cells. What does that mean? So these are from donors. So autogenic right. would be using your own cells. Allogeneic yep. is using cells from a donor. So they'd and be what a do cell. you do? Just purify them from blood, or how does it work? Yeah, they're from umbilical cord. So there's a cord blood bank actually in in london at the anthony nolan called blood bank so i think it's they're one of the hospitals in london so they'd sourced uh -huh. these cells from volunteers effectively so people who have babies when you have a baby you have an umbilical cord the blood can be collected it does have stem cells in it and actually you can use those to cure leukemia later on Amazing. you can buy you can you can bank them as a, as a parent yeah. right anyway they they basically just injected three million of them just into the heart just whacked them in Wazz, See what happens. basically whazzed them in they just injected <laughs> them into the heart right nothing else to lose and that oh, was Jesus. exactly wow. that's all they did wow, wow, wow. so it's a very short case report anyway the boy recovered so maybe it worked that's great news it's really good news of course of course but I, okay i don't know okay. whether that so was i i, I get your problem you're basically saying you know this is not a scientific um study by itself because like you say you would need controls and you would need to make sure that you know that there's actually you're sick and you'd also probably want repeats as well of some kind and that's obviously so you want to study this over a long period um yeah. but equally if there's not a mechanism to get out kind of interesting observations then no one's ever going to lead to to do these wider studies it's a little right? bit like i don't want to call it I'm not going to even get to use the word, but it's it's mm. not it's kind of like you're just having a guess, really. I mean, there is a study. There's a larger study from 2017 where they did a randomised trial. I don't think it was blinded, so people mm -hmm. knew what they. And um, they were using allogeneic and autologous uh, cells, same type of cells, basically. And what's autologous? They're mean? from the, they're, they're your own ones. Autologous from yourself, um, right. allogeneic from someone else. This was bone marrow. So they'd done this in cardiomyopathy. Again, very, very sick people. And they'd just compared the two. So they didn't have a control again. They were looking mm -hmm. at... 
And they found the allogeneic ones actually were better than the autologous ones. So the ones from donors were better. And I think what people think is it's some kind of immune mechanism. There's some immune mediator. People have speculated on this for years. People have been working on trying to implant stem cells in the heart for years and years and years. And basically, they do not engraft. So you don't right. get new muscle forming from the cells you inject. So it's very right. unlikely to be new muscle in the heart. What they think is it's some kind of immunomodulatory effect. If you get into the literature on this, and I don't have time in the podcast today, but it gets very... No one really knows what's going on. There's lots of different theories, but there's no... What I'm trying to say is there is no established mechanism. So for that yeah. boy and all of the other people who've had this, they, they don't really know what's having and the beneficial effects. Is it quite common already. to have this issue with the with the um, uh, the arteries being the wrong way around? Is that, is that something that happens reasonably frequently? So you could do a longer-term study. I don't think it happens very frequently, no. I think in this right. case, it was the fact that it was someone who was desperately ill. Mm. And the argument was made that it was sort of last chance saloon sort of thing. So it, it right. wasn't this, this treatment is not particular to that, you know, transposition of the great arteries. It could be used in any kind of... Well, should uh, we, should we widen, it, widen it up, Nick? You just go around, know. you know, like you know, like you know, people at the end of life. Do you fancy some stem cells? Little glass well, of stem obviously cells. Obviously, they've justified like, it in this study, but I'm kind of like, yeah. well, you know, the, the, to me, there's not a huge amount of mechanistic background to it. It's difficult. Right. To, so you would argue that there's no kind of literature on that, um, to the, that you could even generate a hypothesis about how that might work. No, I think there's plenty of literature that you could generate a hypothesis. It's just very unclear. I don't think there's a clear consensus. But then, if people didn't try WAS and stuff yeah, in, yeah, I'm, like, I'm, I'm with you. I think I agree. Like I, this is got, this is where my mechanism. Yeah. This is where my conflict is. But when people read it, they think immediately, That's "Oh, true. this works." When in actual fact, they, they're being sold a bit of a mistruth. Yeah, then you're right. You wouldn't want people going away saying, "I stem want cell cell therapy saying, now," because stem, I read it on the BBC website. Exactly. Yeah. Um, no, I, I didn't like the way it was. I didn't really like the way it was reported. I didn't like the fact that there was no link to any science or what had been done. I thought it was poorly mm. reported by the BBC and actually not very well reported by BHF as well. But by the same token, they're obviously trying to, you know, they need the support, so they need people to keep giving money to do the research because it's good i definitely think it's good i just think there's a little bit mm, you're sort of walking on a a bit of an edge there the edge of a drop steep drop ethical drop well i mean i mean bringing it back to what we we're talking about before maybe what we need to do is we need to ask um the ai to write us a, a better press release about stem cell therapy um um <laughs> For babies to see how well it does. So until Nick's happy. Well, I, I just caveat it all by saying I'm a know nothing, middle of the road academic, and I don't work in the field. That was just my opinions, what occurred to me, and I'm quite happy to be shot down, someone to tell me I'm wrong. So, Steve, refund, my refund. Oh, yeah. So, Nick, I, went... I want to hear all about this. <laughs> I got a letter back from the uh, ombudsman. Right. So, so okay. So, quick recap. <clears throat> Nick, Nick was trying to get somewhere and they charged him 
they that he no, Virgin, put his paperwork. Virgin Media put a delinquent seventeen pound balance on my account, which caused me problems when I applied for a mortgage on my credit right. report. That's right. So yeah, I, I, I yeah. wrote them a nasty letter and I said, This is not good enough and they didn't get back to me. So I took them to the Ombudsman and just sent them my stuff. Well the Ombudsman said you can have hundred pounds. Virgin have to apologise and give you a hundred pounds. That's it. That's okay. the end of the story. So I've got hundred quid. Okay. Well congrats for a nice dinner. And also Virgin what I'm gonna enjoy is the apology from Virgin. I'm gonna drink that up. It's not it. going to be, but it's not going to be heartfelt. What, they're not really, they're not really what, faring sorry. I tell you what annoyed me the most, right? And this this really got on my nerves, which I don't think is solved. In my, you know, because I said I said in my thing, I said it's not about the money. It's about the fact that, you know, I want you haven't acknowledged that you've made a mistake here, and also I want to know what you're going to do to stop it happening to someone else, right? So they're not going to do anything. They're not going to do well, anything. The ombudsman stop. said they couldn't enforce anything. They they because well, they're a toothless organisation. <laughs> well, no, they can force Virgin to pay me hundred pounds, and they can force them to apologise to me, but they yeah. can't force them to say how they're going to correct it in the future. So well, they the, I don't know. They'll, they'll keep charging people, and one you know, and they'll get away with it. I'm really annoyed about it because I think I think I'm never touch. Listen, listeners, I know we've only got about five of you out there, but you guys. <laughs> If you're ever considering the buying anything the from people. Virgin, just do not. They, they, it's just awful, terrible, terrible company. <laughs> right. Happy to say that, be sued for it. Well, because I've got loads of evidence that they are terrible. So it's, they're demonstrably am... terrible. So what are you gonna, what are you gonna spend your hundred pound on? What are you I'm gonna, gonna take Maria out for a nice meal. And you, and, and is the steak gonna be extra juicy because you know it's paid for with the tears of Virgin Rail? Uh, yeah. It's not Virgin Rail. You keep saying Virgin Rail, but it's um. You said Virgin. Virgin Media. I've oh also... sorry. Cross country trains is the other one. Sorry. sorry. Virgin, luckily, Virgin had their thing taken off them, didn't they? So they don't do trains anymore. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, they okay. don't. Do, they don't do that anymore. But um, I'm just looking at the adjudicator. So let let me see what why they can't um enforce it. Here we go. <clears throat> blah 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 blah. It's a really long letter. It's like about six pages long. So they've obviously um, was it written by an AI? Uh, the the customer wants the, this is what they wrote. The customer maybe it was written by an AI. The customer wants the company to look into why his problems arose and take steps to prevent other customers having the same problem. Uh, CISAS Rule Five Point Three states that the adjudicator may only direct remedies which are affect or apply to the customer. Given this, I do not have the power to make the direction the customer requests. His claim for action, therefore, cannot succeed. So I can't. You ask, you did, but didn't you ask for a hundred pounds as well? I asked for five hundred pounds. Oh, and you got a hundred. Well, I, this is another. Look, this is another slightly annoying thing because I didn't supply them with enough information at the start. They couldn't take it up to the next tier. So they awarded me the maximum in the tier for which I was allowed. If I did it again, I'd include all of the various. I just sort of, you know, it was it was a rush job. Let's be honest, it was a rush job. <laughs> I pasted it on there. I copy, I sent a few emails. You, do you know what I mean? I couldn't locate mm-hmm. certain things. So if I had it over again, I'd provide evidence of my financial loss, and I think I would oh, have wow. got five hundred pounds. <clears throat> well, I think we've all learned a valuable lesson here, and that's that Nick is not working hard enough. Because he's got spare time to write a complaint letter to the to the ombudsman. Of Listen, the I have I have I have leisure time, which I choose to invest in complaining. <laughs> <laughs> but 
past times. Anyway, anyway, Merry Christmas, everybody. We hope you had a genuinely lovely. We hope. Well, if you've already had it, we hope you had a nice time. If you're not had it we'll yet, get, this will be out before Christmas. We'll, will it? We'll, uh, <laughs> will it yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I'll do it when I do it. It's always done. <laughs> Well, the last one I did, but then I did the wrong one. So you'd already you did the wrong done one. I'd already edited because I was wait, I was one one anyway. Um, so people aren't interested that. in the administration You're of the podcast, the podding. But but yeah, no, I hope everyone has a fantastic Christmas. Um, I hope they um, that their 2023 is filled with merriment and good luck, um, and um, and probably lots and lots and lots of science shed. Ho 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 ho. Hello! Hello! We wish you a Merry Christmas! Hello, mate! Hello! Hello! How are you doing, mate? Mate, I'm doing brilliant. Shall we enjoy the World Cup, mate? Let's see all them. I haven't watched any of the World Cup, Brian. Why are you not watching the World Cup, mate? Well, it's not really my thing, Brian. I'm not really a big fan of kick sport, but I'm, but I bet you watched it. Did you enjoy it? Did oh, I loved it, oh, mate. Especially the final. Bloody hell. Yeah, should have I should have seen the final, mate. Final. It was an absolute belter. It was Boston. Messi. Messi. Oh, legend. Legend, isn't he? Little fella. Little little maestro. Little done fella. Right for himself, though, isn't he? For a little fella. You what? He's done all right. He's done all right for himself oh, for a little bit. magnificent, isn't it? Hey. Anyway, mate, I hope you're having a good one. And I just wanted to say Merry Christmas to you, right? Oh, and have a good thanks, one. Brian. And have a Happy New Year. I hope you drink loads of Banksies. And you get yourself down the pub when you enjoy yourself, mate. Oh, thanks very much. What are you doing for New Year's, Brian? You going out with Marjorie? Having a quiet one with Marge. Yeah. Yeah, quite. We're just gonna have a bit. We we normally have, we normally have a nice, we normally have a nice plate of faggots on Christmas Day. The wife likes faggots, with gravy on them. So we have a plate of faggots, gravy on them, and then we have some giblets as well. And we have a chicken. Giblets. Giblets. Chicken. Oh mate, if we have a chicken. <laughs> but chicken's a luxury, isn't it? I love a bit of chicken. Don't eat a yeah, turkey. If they're nice. just turkey, yeah, you don't nice. eat turkey, do you? Just eat you chicken. Don't you, do you like turkey? I enjoy a bit of turkey. I like a bit of turkey, yeah. I you know, yeah. sometimes you get them people, right, and they just buy the crown, the crown of the yeah, turkey. I don't believe in that. Not like that. You buy the only, the best piece of bloody leg, mate. You want to be the bloody leg with a bit of crown on it. That's true. What do you think about people that have goose for Christmas? Do you think that's, think that's good? Retro, eh? Retro. It's retro. Oh, retro. Okay. You don't find goose. I mean, you can get a few in West Park. Go down West Park, strangle a couple. That's what I've heard some of the homeless do. Do you get a couple of geese? If you go down the road to, to Islington from where I live, to where the posh bit, there's lots of people have a bit of geese down there. I bet they're not having Canada geese, though, are they? No. They're having some other geese, domestic ones. <laughs> That's true, they're probably not. Right, anyway, anyway I've got to go. So, Merry Christmas, have a happy new year. Boston. Merry Christmas. la 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 a merry